0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Bunch of Books, your all-around spot for all things books. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend. And today, we are continuing our Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, or Prisoner of Azkaban, read through with Chapter Six, Talons and Tea Leaves. This is again a really long chapter, uh, so I'm gonna split it into two parts. And also, I've been sneezing a lot, so if you hear me sniffling anything, please don't be like alarmed by that or anything. Um, so let's get started. Talons and Tea Leaves. When Harry, Ron, and Hermione entered the Great Hall for breakfast the next day, the first thing they saw was Draco Malfoy, who seemed to be entertaining a large group of Slytherins with a very funny story. As they passed, Malfoy did a ridiculous impression of a swooning fit, and there was a roar of laughter. Ignore him, said Hermione, who was right behind Harry. Just ignore him. It's not worth it. Hey, Potter, shrieked Pansy Parkinson, a Slytherin girl with a face like a pug. Potter, the Dementors are coming, Potter. Woo! Harry dropped into a seat at the Gryffindor table, next to George Weasley. New third-year course schedule, said George, passing them over. What's up with you, Harry? Malfoy, said Ron, sitting down on George's other side and glancing over at the Slytherin table. George looked up in time to see Malfoy pretending to faint with terror again. That little git, he said calmly. He wasn't so cocky last night when the mentors were down at our, at our end of the train. Came running into our compartment, didn't he, Fred? nearly wet himself,' said Fred, with a contemptuous glance at Malfoy. "'I wasn't too happy myself,' said George. "'They're horrible things, these Dementors. "'Sort of freeze your insides, don't they?' said Fred. "'You didn't pass out, though, did you?' said Harry, in a low voice. "'Forget it, Harry,' said George, embracingly. "'Dad had to go out to in one time, remember, Fred? And he said it was the worst place he'd ever been. "'He came back all weak and shaking. "'They suck the happiness out of a the place, Dementors.' The most of the prisoners got go mad in there. Anyway, we'll be happy. Anyway, we'll see how happy Malfoy looks after our first Quidditch match," said Fred. Gryffindor versus Slytherin, first game of the season. Remember, the only time Harry and Malfoy had faced each other in a Quidditch match, Malfoy Malfoy had definitely come off course. Feeling slightly more cheerf- cheerful, Harry helped himself to sausage and fried tomatoes. Hermione was examining her new schedule. Oh, good. "'We're starting some new subjects today,' she said happily. "'Hermione,' said Ron, frowning, as he looked over her shoulder. "'They've messed up your schedule. "'Look, they've got you down for about ten subjects a day. "'There isn't enough time. "'I'll manage it. "'I fixed it all with Professor McGonagall.' "'But look,' said Ron, laughing. "'See this morning? nine o'clock, divination, "'and underneath, nine o'clock, muggle studies. "'And Ron, leaned closer to the schedule, disbelieving. "'Look!' "'Underneath that arithmetic, nine o'clock. "'I mean, I know you're good, Hermione, but no one's that good. "'How are you supposed to be in three classes at once?' "'Don't be silly,' said Hermione shortly. "'Of course I won't be in three classes at once.' "'Well, then.' "'Pass the marmalade,' said Hermione. "'But... "'Oh, Ron, what's it to you if my schedule's a bit full?' "'Hermione snapped. "'I told you. "'I fixed it all with Professor McGonagall. "'Just then, Hagrid entered the Great Hall.' He was wearing his long moleskin overcoat and was absent-mindedly swinging a dead pole cat from one enormous hand. All right," he said eagerly, pausing on the way to the staff table. "You're in my first ever lesson, right after lunch. Been up since five, getting ready for everything. Hope it's hope it's okay. Me, a teacher, honestly." He grinned broadly at the end and headed off to the staff table, still swinging the po- pole cat. "Wonder what he's been getting ready for," said Ron, a note of anxiety in his voice. The hall was starting to empty as people headed off toward their first lesson. Ron checked his course schedule. You'd better go. Look, Diffination's at the top of North Tower. It'll take us ten minutes to get there. They finished their breakfast hastily, said goodbye to Fred and George, and walked back through the Great Hall. As they passed the Slytherin Table, Malfoy did yet another impression of a fainting fit. The shouts of laughter followed Harry into the entrance hall. The journey through the castle to the North Tower was a long one. Two years at Hogwarts hadn't taught them everything about the castle, and they had never been inside North Tower before. "'There's got to be a shortcut,' Ron panted, as they climbed their seventh long staircase and emerged on an unfamiliar landing. There was nothing but a large painting of a bare sketch of grass hanging on the stone wall. "'I think it's this way,' said Hermione, peering down the empty passage to the right. "'Can't be,' said Ron. "'That's south. Look, you can see a bit of the lake out of the window.' Harry was watching the painting, a fat, dapple grey pony had just ambled onto the grass and was gr- grazing nonchalantly. Harry was used to the subject of hot-worked paintings moving around, and leaving their frames to visit one another, but he always enjoyed watching it. A moment later, a short, squat knight in a suitum armor clanked into the picture after his pony. By the way, by the look of the grass stains on the metal, on his metal knees, he had just fallen off. Aha! He yelled, seeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione. What villain are these? That trespass upon my private lands, come to scorn at my fall, perhaps? Draw, you knaves, you dogs! They watched in astonishment as the little knight tugged his ping up, tugged his sword out of its scabbard, out of its scabbard, and began brandishing it violently, hopping up and down in rage. But the sword was too long for him; a particularly wild swing made him overbalance, and he landed face down into the grass. "Are you all right?" said Harry, moving closer to the picture. Get back, you scurvy braggart! Back, you rogue! The knight seized his sword again and used it to push himself back up, but the blade sank deeply into the grass. Though he pulled with all his might, he couldn't get it out again. Finally, he had to flop back down onto the grass and pushed up his visor to stop mop it, to start. Pushed up his visor to mop his sweat off his face. Listen, said Harry, taking advantage of the knight's exhaustion. We're looking for the North Tower. You don't know the way, do you? A quest. The knight's rage seemed to vanish instantly. He clanked his feet. He clanked to his feet and shouted, "Come, follow me, dear friends, and we shall find our goal, or else shall perish bravely in the charge." He gave the sword another f- fruitless tug, tried and failed to mount the fat pony, gave up and cried, "On foot, then, good sirs and gentle lady, on, on!" And he ran, clanking loudly, into the left side of the frame and out of sight. They hurried after him along the corridor, following the sound of his armor. Every now and then, they spotted him running through a picture ahead. Be of stout heart, the worst is yet to come, yelled the knight, and they saw him reappearing in front of an alarmed group of women in crinolines, whose picture hung on the wall of a narrow spiral staircase. Puffing loudly, Harry, Ron, and Hermione climbed the tightly spiraled steps, getting dizzier and dizzier, until at last they heard the murmur of voices above them, and they knew they had reached the classroom. Farewell!" cried the knight, popping into his head, into a, popping, popping his head into a painting of some sinister-looking monks. F- "Farewell, my comrades in arms! If ever you have need of noble heart and steely sinew, call upon Sir Cadigan." "Yeah, we'll call you," muttered Ron as the knight disappeared. If we ever need some someone mental, they climbed the last few steps and emerged onto a tiny landing where most of the class was already assembled. There were no doors off this landing, but Ron nudged Harry and pointed at the ceiling, at the ceiling, where there was a circular trapdoor with a brass plague on it. Sybil Trawani, divination teacher, Harry read. How are we supposed to get up there? As though in answer to his question, the trapdoor suddenly opened and a silvery ladder descended right at Harry's feet. Everyone got quiet. After you, said Ron, grinning. So Harry climbed the ladder first. He emerged into a strange-looking classroom he had never seen. In fact, it didn't look like a classroom at all. More like a cross between someone's attic and an old-fashioned tea shop. At least twenty small circular tables were crammed inside it, all surrounded by chintz armchairs and fat little poofus. Pouffes, poufs. Everything was lit with a dim crimson light. The curtains at the windows were all closed, and the many lamps were draped with dark red scarves. It was stiffingly warm and the fire that was burning under the crowded mantelpiece was giving off heavy, sickly sort of perfume as it heated a large copper kettle. The shelves running around the circular walls were crammed with dusty-looking feathers, stubs of candles, many packs of tattered playing cards, countless silvery crystal balls, and a huge array of teacups. Ron appeared at Harry's shoulder as the class assembled around them, all talking in whispers. "'Where is she?' Ron said. A voice came suddenly out of the shadows. "'A soft, misty sort of voice. "'Welcome,' it said. "'How nice to see you in the physical world at last.' "'Harry's immediate impression was of a large, glittering insect. "'Professor Trul- Professor Trulwani moved into the firelight, "'and they saw that she was very thin. "'Her large glasses magnified her eyes to several times their natural size, "'and she was draped in a gauzy, spangled shawl. Innumer- "'Innumerable chains and beads hung around her spindly neck, "'and her arms and hands were encrusted with bangles and rings.' "'Sit, my children, sit,' she said, and they all climbed awkwardly into, awkwardly into armchairs or sank into poofs. Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat themselves around the same round table. "'Welcome to Divination,' said Professor Trelawney, who had seated herself in a winged armchair in front of the fire. "'My name is Professor Trelawney. "'You may not have seen me before. "'I find that descending too often into the hustle and bustle "'of the main school clouds my inner eye. "'Nobody said anything to this, astro- to this extraordinary—' Pronouncement. Professor, Trelaw- Professor Trelawney d- delicately rearranged her shawl and continued. So you have chosen to study divination, the most difficult of all magical arts. I must warn you at the outset that if you do not have the sight, there is very little I will be able to teach you. Books can be take can take you only so far in this field. At these words, both Harry and Ron glanced, grinning at Hermione, who had looked startled at the news that books wouldn't be much help in the subject. Many witches and wizards, and wizards talented though they are in the area of loud bangs and smells and sudden disappearings, are yet unable to penetrate the veil, the veiled mysteri- mysteries of the future. Professor Trelawney went on, her enormous gleaming eyes moving from face to nervous face. It is a gift granted to few. You boy," she said suddenly to Neville, who almost toppled off his poof. "Is your grandmother well?" "I think so," said Neville tremulously. I wouldn't be so sure if I were you, dear said Professor Tromwani, the firefly glinting on her long ebald earrings, gulped. Professor Tromwani continued placidly. we all will we will be covering the basic methods of divination this year. The first term will be devoted to reading the tea leaves. Next term, we shall pr- progress to palmistry. By the way, my dear, she shot suddenly, she shot suddenly at Parvadi Patil. beware, a red-haired man. Pervati gave a startled look at Ron, who was right behind her, and etched her chair away from him. In the second term, Professor Trelawney went on, we shall progress to the crystal ball, if we are finished with fire almonds, that is. Unfortunately, classes will be disrupted in February by a m- nasty bout of flu. I myself will lose my voice, and around Easter, one of, our m- one of our number will leave us forever. A very tense silence followed this pronouncement, but Professor Trelawney seemed unaware of it. I wonder, dear, she said to Lavender Brown, who was nearest and shrank back in her chair, if you could pass me the largest silver teapot. Lavender looked relieved, stood up, took an enormous teapot from the shelf, and put it down on the table in front of Professor Trelawney. Thank you, my dear. Incidentally, that thing you are dreading, it will happen on Friday, the sixteenth of October. Lavender trembled. Now I want you all to divide into pairs. Collect a teacup from the shelf, come to me, and I will fill it. Then sit down and drink. Drink until the dregs remain. Swirl these around the cup three times with the left hand, then turn the cup upside down on a saucer. Wait for the last of the tea to, d- to drain away. Then give your cup to your partner to read. You will interpret the patterns using pages five and six of Unfogging the Future. It shall move among you, hoping and instructing. Oh, and dear, she caught Neville by the arm as he made to stand up. After you have broken your first cup, you will be so you will, would you be so kind as select like one of the blue pat one of the blue patterned ones. I'm rather attached to the pink. Sure enough, Neville had no sooner reached the shelf of teacups when there was a the tinkle of breaking china. Professor Trelawney swept over, him, swept over to him, holding a dustpan and brush, and said, "One of the blue ones, then, dear. If you wouldn't mind, thank you." When Harry and Ron had their had their t- had had their teacups filled, they went back to their table and tried to drink the scaling tea quickly. They down the dregs around as Professor Trwani had instructed, then drain the cups and swap them. Right, said Ron, as they both opened their books at pages five and six. What can you see in mine? <clears throat> A load of of soggy brown stuff, said Harry. The heavily perfumed smoke in the room was making him feel sleepy and stupid. Broaden your minds, my dears. Allow your eyes to see past the mundane. Professor Trwani cried through the gloom. Harry tried to pull himself together. Right. You got a crooked sort of cross," he consulted, unfogging the future. "That means you're going to have trials and suffering. Sorry about that. But there's, but there's a thing that could be the sun. Hang on. That means great happiness. So you're going to suffer, but be very happy. You need your inner eye tested, if you ask me," said Ron, and and they both had to stifle their laughs as Professor Shrowani gazed in their direction. "My turn,' Ron peered into Harry's teacup, his forehead wrinkled with effort. "There's a blob, a bit like a bowler hat," he said. Maybe you're going to work for the Ministry of Magic. He turned the teacup the other way. But this way, it looks more like an acorn. What's that? He scanned his copy of Unfolding the Future. A windfall. Unexpected gold. Excellent. You can lend me some. And there's a thing here. He turned the, he turned the cup again. That looks, like a, that looks like an animal. Yeah, if that was its head, it looks like a hippo. No, a sheep. Professor Trelawney rolled around as Harry let out a snort of laughter. Let me see that, dear, she said reprovingly to, wa- to Ron, sweeping over and snatching Harry's cup from him. Everyone went quiet to watch. Professor-, Professor Trelawney was staring into the cup, rotating it counterclockwise. The Falcon, my dear, you have a deadly enemy. But everyone knows that, said Hermione in a loud whisper. Professor Trelawney stared at her. Well, they do, said Hermione. Everyone knows about Harry and you know who. <clears throat> Harry and Ron stared at her with a mixture of amazement and admiration. They had never heard Hermione speak to a teacher like that before. Professor Trelawney chose not to reply. She lowered her huge eyes to Harry's cup again and continued to turn it. The club, an attack. Dear, dear, this is not a happy cup. I thought that was a bowler hat," said Ron sheepishly. The skull. Danger in your path, my dear. Everyone was staring, transfixed, at Professor Trelawney, who gave the final cup a turn gave the cup a final turn, gasped, and then screamed. There was another tinkle of breaking china. Neville had smashed his second cup. Professor Trelawney sank into a vacant armchair, her glittering hand at her heart, and her eyes closed. My dear boy, my poor dear boy, no, it's kinder not to say no. Don't ask me. What is it, Professor? said Dean Thomas at once. Everyone had got to their feet, and slowly they crowded around Harry and Ron's table, pressing close to Professor Trelawney's chair to get a good look at Harry's cup. "My dear," Professor Trelawney's huge eyes opened dramatically. "You have the Grim." "The what?" said Harry. He could tell that he wasn't the only one who didn't understand. Dean Thomas shrugged at him, and Lavender Brown looked puzzled. But everyone, but nearly everybody else, clapped their hands to their mouths in horror. "The Grim, my dear," the Grim. Cried Professor Trelawney, who looked shocked that Harry hadn't understood, the giant spectral dog that hunts churchyards. My dear boy, it's an omen—the worst omen of death. Harry's stomach lurched. The dog on the cover—the dog on the cover of death omish, of death omens and flourishing blots. The dog in the shadows of Magnolia Crescent. Lavender Brown clapped her hand to her mouth too. Everyone was looking at Harry. Everyone except Hermione, who had gotten up and moved around to the back of Professor Trelawney's chair. I don't think it looks like a grim," she said flatly. Professor Trelawney surveyed Hermione with mounting, with mount, with mounting dislike. "You forgive me for saying so, my dear, but I perceive very little oy around you, very little receptivity to the resonance of the future." James Finnegan was tilting his head from side to side. "It looks like a grim if you do this," he said, with his eyes almost shut. "But it looks more like a donkey from here," he said, leaning to the left. "'When you've all finished deciding whether I'm going to die or not,' "'said Harry, even taking even himself by surprise. "'Now nobody seemed to want to look at him. "'I think we will leave the lesson here for today,' "'said Professor Trelawney in her mistiest voice. "'Yes. Please pack away your things.' "'Silently, the class took their tea cups back to Professor Trelawney, "'packed away their books, and closed their bags. "'Even Ron was avoiding Harry's eyes. "'Until we meet again,' said Professor Trelawney faintly. "'Fair fortune be yours.' "'Oh, and dear,' she pointed at Neville.' You'll be late next time, so mind your extra. So mind you, work extra hard to catch up. Harry, Ron, and Hermione descended Professor Trelawney's ladder and the winding stair in silence. Then set off for Professor McGonagall's Transfiguration lesson. It took them so long to find her classroom that early as they left, that early as they had left Divination, they were only just in time. Harry chose a seat right at the back of the room, feeling as though he were sitting in a very bright spotlight. The rest of the class kept shooting furtive glances at him, as though he were about to drop dead at any moment. He hardly heard what Professor McGonagall was telling them about animagi. Animagi. Wizards who could transform at will into animals. And wasn't even watching when she transformed herself in front of their eyes into a tabby cat with spectacle markings around her eyes. Really? Really? What has gotten into you? into you all today said professor McGonagall, turning back to herself with a faint pop and staring around at them all not that it matters but that's the first time my transfi- transformations not got applause from the class everyone's heads turned toward harry again but nobody spoke then hermione raised her hand please professor we've just had our first divination class and, re- and we were reading about tea leaves and ah, of course said professor mcgonigal suddenly frowning there's no need to say any more miss granger tell me Which of you will be dying this year? Everyone stared at her. Me, said Harry, finally. I see, said Professor McGonagall, fixing Harry with her beady eyes. And you should know, Potter, that Sybil Trelawney has predicted the death of one student a year since she arrived at this school. None of them has died yet. Seeing death omens is her favorite way of greeting a new class. If it were not for the fact that I never speak ill of my colleagues, Professor McGonagall broke off, and they saw that her nostrils had gone white. She went on more calmly. Divination is one of the most impre- imprecise branches of magic. I shall not conceal you from. I shall, I shall, not conceal you from you. I shall not conceal from you that I have very little patience with it. True seers are very rare. And Professor Trowane, she stopped again, and then said in a very matter-of-fact tone, "You look excellent in health to me, Potter. So you will excuse me if I don't let you go, if I don't let you off homework today. I assure you that if you die, you need not hand it in." Minnie laughed. Harry he felt a bit better. It was harder to feel scared of a lump of tea leaves away, f- away from the dim red light and befuddled perfume of Professor Trelawney's classroom. It was, it was harder to feel scared of a lump of tea leaves away from the dim red light and befuddled perfume of, of Professor Trelawney's classroom. So that was chap- chapter six, part one. I'm sorry if I read a little fast. Uh, I normally I'm not used to reading aloud, so I do read a little bit fast when I read. Um, if you have any complaints, uh, if you want me to work on something, if you have any suggestions of what I should do on the next episode of my podcast, then just let me know. If you have any books you suggest I read, any songs that you suggest I listen to, any movies you want me to review or you want me to watch, uh, just let me know. And if you have If I do any reviews of books or anything and you guys have a different opinion, then you can let me know in the voice comments. And I might be putting my email into videos if you guys want me to email, but um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that yet. So I hope you guys have an amazing day, and I will see you guys next time.